I'm Mario Munoz reporting for the Rio Grande Guardian International News Service. According to the founder of Spaced Ventures, Brent Arsenault, a massive amount of capital is flowing into the space industry. Right now, about $400 billion of revenue is being generated within the industry. Morgan Stanley and Bank of America feel that that's going to grow to $1.4 trillion dollars by 2030 and further to three trillion dollars by 2040 and just to put that in perspective the oil and gas industry is around three trillion so it's quite quite a massive uh, amount of capital flowing into the industry recently the rio grande valley partnership hosted an event called the btx developers luncheon in brownsville one of the speakers was the founder of spaced ventures brant arsenault who explained why he located his investment company in Brownsville. Thank you, everyone. Um, So the boring part of the conversation now, and that's finance. So after 30 years of Wall Street for my sins, I'm now building a group of companies to finance space companies. And it didn't really start with me wanting to go to Wall Street. I actually did my PhD in my undergrad to be an astronaut. And um, after I did all that, I got a rejection letter from the Canadian Space Agency, which forced me to think about a new career, which was Wall Street. And actually, it was a great consolation prize. I did it for 30 years, uh, building trading and risk systems for many of the big firms around the world. And uh, not until only two or three years ago did I realize that the commercialization of space was happening quite rapidly, and I had to be a part of it. So I transitioned and came up with this idea of, and this is going to sound like a big boast, but I want to build the J.P. Morgan of space, only for space, from early stage capital to late stage capital, from private equity to public credit, from working capital to investment capital. So, um, really, we, we all realize that there is a very special thing happening right now in space, and I was lucky enough to uh, remember the last Apollo landing, um, and it was very exciting. And not until lately, in my opinion, has it been as exciting as it was back then. And going through the 80s and 90s with the space shuttle, and there was a lot of heroic and great work done, but it's not like it is now. It's very exciting, and there's a lot of capital flowing into the the industry. and most of you probably have seen this. Right now, about $400 billion of revenue is being generated within the industry. Morgan Stanley and Bank of America feel that that's going to grow to $1.4 trillion by 2030 and further to $3 trillion by 2040. And just to put that in perspective, the oil and gas industry is around $3 trillion. So it's quite, quite a massive uh, amount of capital flowing into the industry. What's happening on an institutional level is something really is really interesting happening is global priorities are changing in society and within asset managers. Um, You know, we've been talking about treating our planet better, uh, looking at global climate change, deforestation for a long time. But it seems lately it's hit a a tipping point that people are really taking... um, uh, notice and changing the behaviors of the industry and I've, I've been to Dubai and Saudi and Yemen and all of the Central Asia 
countries like Azerbaijan and Kazakhstan that have a lot of oil money and sovereign wealth. And they're all rotating their asset allocation out of those industries. And in fact, they're even going further. They're getting out of the industries. And they publicly declared that they're getting out of oil and gas and they're investing in new industries. And when I say new industries, there's kind of just reimagined industries, right? We still need power. We still need food. We still need transportation, but we're kind of reimagining them and calling them clean tech and renewable energy. Um, and this is another picture of what I said earlier. We have these terrestrial um, um, industries like health tech and ag tech and clean tech being um, amplified and being helped by things that we're doing in space. So only 10 years ago, we only had one use case to talk about. Everybody, if you walked and, uh, and met somebody on the street, they say, okay, what's space good for? We have people, we have overpopulation, we have disease, why are we spending money in space? And the only thing you can say is GPS, right? That was, and that's kind of a boring example, but we have now Earth observation satellites detecting wildfires before they happen. We have Earth observation detecting oil spills and cleaning them up before they become disastrous. We have Earth observation applications that are uh, uh, detecting human trafficking and ESG. There's a lot of value. And if, if it goes as far, and I think it will, of Jeff Bezos saying, hey, let's move all the things that hurt the planet, manufacturing, uh, power generation, agriculture, let's move it off Earth. Keep Earth as our bedroom, our living room. Enjoy it. Don't hurt it. And, and we're going to see those um, things coming soon. In fact, you'll see a lot of companies in space manufacturing already. Um, and in that space industrial revolution, we don't have to think it's science fiction because it's already happened. We've seen it happen many times in history. The first time that I'd like, well, not the first time, but the, the example I like to use is the first and second American industrial revolution, which really created a lot of wealth and created a lot of uh, 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 advantages in society off the back of the, the Industrial Revolution in Europe and the UK, the railway was reinvented in America in the early 1800s. And it was for very specific use cases. It wasn't, everybody didn't use the railway. It was to haul coal or haul uh, cargo from the shipyards. But by, and that was basic infrastructure. Um, by the 1850s, people realized that this infrastructure could be turned into services and add value to the rest of the country. And that's when we had the Transcontinental Railway being developed from New York to, to uh, San Francisco. And then later, applications, they didn't call them applications, but we needed applications because these new communities started popping up along the railway. New communities, new industries, farming, mining, all kinds of wealth was started to create it. And we needed applications like communications, transferring money, and Western Union was a very good example of the, those early um, applications. We, we saw it again in the information revolution, where everybody thinks about the internet, it started in 1950 when Shockley invented the transistor. And eventually, they, and the transistor was a replacement for a vacuum tube that was this big. And eventually they said, oh my God, I could put 100,000 transistors on a microchip. And that happened in the 60s by Texas Instrument, Motorola, Intel, and people like that. And that was the infrastructure of the internet. Not until the 90s did a company like Sun Microsystems and Silicon Graphics say, hey, that protocol that makes computers talk, 
with the, the, the governments and the universities. Let's open that up. And they created something called TCPIP, which allowed all these, these open systems to happen, and that was a services layer. Not until the, the mid-2000s uh, uh, did Amazon really take off, Google take off. We all think that's the internet, but that's not, that really wasn't the beginning of the internet. So we've seen this pattern of infrastructure, services, and applications, and we think that's going to happen in space. So where are we at in space? We're, in 1995, we're kind of that in the internet, that we're getting basic infrastructure like access to space, materials to protect us in space, habitats, food, power. And then I think, and SpaceX is one of those, and Elon really did a lot uh, to make this happen. Um, because the old way of doing things, of you can imagine a big Gantt chart of many, many, many tasks to reduce risk. Uh, over That's how the governments used to do it. Elon doesn't do that. He shoots something up, lets it blow up, collects data, and then does it again. Now, there's some challenges with that too. But, <laughs> um, but we, we'll see another, and, and I think we're going to actually see a space bubble too in terms of overcapitalization, just like we saw on the internet. Um, but after that bubble burst, we'll see a lot of great companies like Intel, Motorola, all that basic infrastructure. And then we'll see another series of companies being built of services like in-space uh, manufacturing, uh, in-space refueling, uh, all kinds of very interesting things that make uh, us more responsible for our planet. And, and make a better society. And then the third, the third phase of applications, just like in 95, I have a folder on my phone with my bank account, my cap table for all my companies, um, my account, I got everything in one folder. If you would have said that in 19, and I, I think I'm a forward thinking person, but in 1995, I wouldn't have believed that. So the applications that we're gonna have in space in 2040, I don't even know if we can think about all of them now. It's gonna be so, impressive and and unimaginable really so what does this mean we need a lot of capital to do this just like and, and when I, I what I left out earlier when three years ago when I wanted to get into space I had a great call with SpaceX Chris Hadfield who's a good mentor of mine who's a Canadian astronaut and I said I'm gonna get into space Naively, I thought my relative uh, um, success on Wall Street would translate to a big job in space. It did not. No one offered me a job. In fact, uh, Chris Hadfield and Steve Jervison came back and said, we don't think you should get into space technology. And they paused while my heart broke and I wept a little bit. They said, you should do space finance. And I kind of was a little upset because I wanted to get out of finance. I did it for 30 years. And then I started thinking about it, and that's what the industry needs, is not just scientists and engineers. It needs capital. It needs marketing. It needs communications. It needs all kinds of things to make this happen. So I stood back, and my wife said, you can still go to the same parties. And that kind of, I said, okay, I'm in. Um, which really means, you know, you're still important to the ecosystem, and people need those financial solutions. So I drew a blueprint of what I wanted to build. And it wasn't just one small company, it was several companies. And if you see this diagram here, 9.8 advisors is kind of the, the quarterback about, under, because what we want to do is lead with relationships, have a deep relationship with our client and give him or her what they need for capital, wherever they are in their journey, if it's early stage or late stage, 
Um, we, we're going to have a VC product, for instance. But you, you, you might know VCs. If you're not a 10x company, what does a VC think of you? They don't think you're a great company. You know, a 3x or 4x company could be a great company. It just needs different type of capital. So that's what we want to do is we want to have a group of companies. And that curve that you see is kind of the valley of death where you start. Space Ventures is one of our companies that's allowed to raise $5 million of capital from the public, which does two things. It gets the public involved in space investing. And it gives early stage uh, companies access to capital quite quickly. And we're allowed to raise up to $5 million per company per year with Space Ventures. And then typically a company goes into that valley of death, we call it, meaning they're spending more than they're making and they have to kind of get out of that. And then we have another company called Gravity, which is your traditional VC company, which is $250 million worth of capital, writing 10 to $15 million checks for companies. And that's kind of our early stage. And I always say, if you don't think we're crazy there, the second part is we're starting a community bank, a commercial bank, and a, a commodities broker. And what that means really is a community bank is not a geographic community. It's actually an interest-based community in space. So, um, and it's the same people interested in space ventures doing the private investment. So what we're gonna do is take deposits from people interested in space and lend that money out to space companies. Uh, there's certain lots of Fed rules and SEC rules that we have to get that right. And then the commercial bank is really very much that. We borrow from the Fed, lend large loans out to space companies that are cash flow positive and mostly collateralized. So really the, the power of this group is not so much the individual companies, but it's actually the connective tissue of all the companies in that long-term relationship. We always joke that if we do a good job, most of our clients will come to our funerals. Um, we hope that doesn't happen too soon, but... Uh, oh, I think that was the last slide. But yeah, we're really passionate about this and I'm really excited to... Because we want to be close to our clients. Um, both sides of, uh, because we have two sets of clients. We have people that invest in our products, and then we have clients that we pass, give, give the money out to. And we felt very early that Brownsville was going to be a very interesting place to do business. Um, I think it, it's geographically situated nicely for lunch. I think there'll be um, a great space community and economy that grows up here, and we want it to be close to our clients and to our investors. So. We're really excited to be here, and hopefully we add a lot of value to the community. On their website, Space Ventures says that it is, quote, our planet's first public space investment portal. The Rio Grande Valley Partnership hosted the BTX Developers event on July the 8th. After the luncheon, participants traveled on bus tours of Brownsville downtown, industrial parks, and the airport. The Rio Grande Guardian will be featuring several podcasts of speakers at the BTX Developers event. I'm Mario Munoz, reporting for the Rio Grande Guardian International News Service.